podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match! Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. I look back at the second day's play from Lords in the first test, England, New Zealand, and I suppose, Simon, a much more normal day's cricket today. Well, it couldn't be any more abnormal than the first day. Uh, only seven wickets falling today, three of England's and four of New Zealand's. Uh, we come to the stage now after day two, where I thought actually it was sort of in the balance mid-afternoon when England had taken four New Zealand wickets they were only about 50 or 60 odd so 50 in the lead and then that partnership between Blundell and uh, Daryl Mitchell has really taken the game very strongly in New Zealand's favour a partnership of 180 unbroken both men in the 90s and a very strong position set up by New Zealand which wasn't what what looked likely in mid-afternoon I guess. Stand of 180. So New Zealand's lead is 227, still six wickets in hand. Uh, both batters in the 90s overnight. I mean, one thing in England's favour tomorrow morning is they'll have the, the new ball. It's, it's one over away. And also the possibility of a different sort of weather uh, tomorrow as well. Chance of humid uh, cloud cover tomorrow, thunderstorms overnight, rain overnight. So different batting conditions tomorrow. But New Zealand, it feels as if they've done a lot of damage uh, to England's cause uh, today. Fantastic partnership between uh, Mitchell and Blundell. Pitch, you know, just seemed to flatten out today and just sort of normal test cricket broke out, really. I suppose the sort of normal test cricket that we expected on this surface yesterday, we, we didn't get it. And it's to me, Yoz, it seems as though England really frittered away their opportunity in this game in that final session when they had that collapse of, of five for eight when they looked totally in control of the game. It's amazing how a game can just turn around in the space of 24 hours. Yeah, I completely agree. There was a, a great platform set by Crawley and, and Lees, 60-odd for no wicket. Uh, and, you know, contrast that with New Zealand being 47 for seven in, the, in their first innings. So it, that was the point at which England could capitalise and they lost their way. So we, we've talked about that a bit, a bit already yesterday. You know, probably Crawley's and Root's wickets were the key ones. And then after that, Nobody made double figures, uh, and you can't blame the tail, really, but it did expose England's long tail, which I just don't think they can carry on with. Uh, New Zealand today, uh, I think you said yesterday, they can't uh, sort of sacrifice or succumb twice in the same test match, and you were right. Uh, they got stuck in today. You know, it's interesting, actually, that, that, you know, there was, a, there was an over... It was about the 30th over. And, you know, we've talked about these these batting frailties and why do they occur? And it's partly lack of preparation. It's partly players coming from the IPL. Maybe it's partly lack of ability as well. It's also high-class bowling. There's a few factors in there. But there was a, a pivotal moment, I thought, at about 30 overs when Mitchell and Blunder were together. And Daryl Mitchell, who's come from the IPL, so he's been playing white ball cricket for, you know, two months or so. And it, there is a... 
there's a sort of inclination if you've been playing white ball cricket, you've been practicing against the white ball for two, three months. There's an inclination to look to hit the ball all the time, hit it on the up. And he'd done some quite hard work in that sort of previous 10 overs when New Zealand had lost their fourth, third and fourth wickets. He'd sort of got stuck in and defended. And then he faced a couple of balls from Jimmy Anderson on a length, on a round off stump, good deliveries, not doing a huge amount. He went for two big woofing drives. Mm. It's almost as if his patience had elapsed in the 20s, having sort of survived about 40 balls. One of the uh, woofs slid off the edge and flew just wide a fourth slip. The second one, two balls later, played and missed, but it went through to the keeper. And I think then he almost, that was that was his sort of chancy bit. That was the bit that Crawley experienced and got out, and one or two other players as well. He kind of got through that, but partly by luck. And then it was, right, actually, we've got to play some test cricket here. We've got to get us really properly stuck in. And really, they've given no opportunities to England since. Yeah, they haven't looked like taking a wicket. It's a, it's a really good point, actually, about the, those strokes from Mitchell. They almost came from nowhere. They seemed to come from nowhere. Uh, I, I wonder whether they were thinking, or, or Mitchell was thinking, you know, Anderson is, is really testing me here. And he looked at the way the lower order played against Anderson yes, the, the previous day. Uh, you know, the, the One or two of the lower order players had taken him on and smacked him over the top. And he thought, well, this might be the way to go. And then he, he had a go twice, and he... he he couldn't make anything of it and so he thought well actually that's that's possibly not the way to go and I've had some luck and there was that one that was sliced in the air through the gully region England didn't have a, a gully fielder in it was just over the head of Bearstow and he wasn't able to leap up and, and take it and then you're, you're right I mean just proper test cricket play from there and England did not look like taking a wicket occasional ball uh, beat the bat but not as much and it, it, it the, the pitch just seemed benign the conditions seemed benign and Mitchell and Blundell the two 31 year old right-handers for New Zealand who've got you know reasonable test records Mitchell's made a good start to his test career he's averaging 14 he's in his 10th test match and, and Blundell has got a couple of hundreds so far they just look really in control and there was no threat from this England attack and it was something actually we were talking about in our preview uh, podcast about you know does this England attack have consistently 20 wickets in it on good surfaces you know when there's nip when there's something in the pitch yeah you can see this England attack causing some problems but that's going to be the the tough part uh, for this England attack this summer and you know going forward where are the 20 wickets going to come from on good surfaces that you have in in test match cricket but you know that's the challenge for all sides isn't it to take 20 wickets on on good surfaces and not everyone's capable of doing it but you know it is a real challenge and of course you've got the add to that the batting frailties that we saw yesterday and it all adds up to a long hard slog ahead for the this England team and the the new hierarchy of this England team. Mm. Yeah, I wonder how McCullum's been thinking because he must have been cock a hoop yesterday lunchtime when New Zealand were reeling at sort of 39 for six or something. And, and now it's a reality has sort of bit home uh, very quickly after two days of being in charge of England. So what they lack with the ball, you know, this isn't sort of rocket science, is some extreme pace which obviously is because the, 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 the purveyors of that are injured, and spin. You know, you want, you want a good spinner. Someone like a Graham Swan would, would apply pressure at one end in these situations and help the faster bowlers rotate, might take the odd wicket himself. England just haven't got that, that option. Parkinson, first test uh, in rather kind of un, unusual, strange circumstances, didn't, certainly didn't let himself down. But you just look at his bowling... 
And I can quite see why he's successful in white ball cricket and even in county cricket. But I can't see him being successful in test cricket. He's too slow. He, his body buckles as he lets go of the ball so that he's let going the ball at even lower height than he already is. And he's not tall. And he doesn't spin it very much either because his, his hand position is beyond the vertical at about 11 o'clock. And that means he can't get his wrist into a, a perfect position to really spin the ball. He doesn't pivot in, in his torso either. So because of his sort of slightly front on action. So, you know, he's, he's accurate, but he's too slow. And I can't see him posing a big threat. Uh, I can't see him unless he makes remedial, you know, major changes to his action and stands up more, sort of bowls over the top of his front leg rather than collapsing over the, over, over his front leg. I just can't see him being a threat. So what do you say to people who say, well, this is only a second day pitch and you know, you want to see him bowl on the fourth and fifth day? No, and I, the... I guess you, you concede that there isn't much in the pitch for him, but you're looking at the way batsmen handle him and they're really getting down the wicket to him with a, with a lot of ease and, and milking him for runs. And I think the thing that worries me most is that he doesn't get any bounce because his action is low and because he's not tall anyway and he's also more of a, a sort of... Uh, I wasn't going to say top spin bowler. You know, he doesn't get really massive amounts of overspin because of his action. Therefore, he's not getting a huge amount of bounce. And when players defend him, they're they're almost having to go lower to to repel the ball. Whereas a really good spinner would mean making the ball bounce into the splice. Think of somebody like Nathan Lyon, for instance, who gets mm-hmm. a lot of overspin and he gets that bounce, which means that batsmen are, are kind of almost fending it off slightly and that that the spin with a spinner bounce is almost as important if not more important than spin so are we seeing or have we seen today i bowled 14 overs no maidens no wicket for 43 milt uh, hasn't bowled hasn't bowled lots of rubbish i mean sometimes you see leg no. spinners come out and they bowl you know full bungers and half pitches and that sort of stuff I mean, he's all steady but unthreatening have we seen today the reason why england haven't picked him until now and they were, their hand was forced really wasn't it by you know jack leach going out of the match and they they went with him uh, he, he was sort of the next in line, wasn't he? Uh, you'd think, in terms of the, the pecking order, the spinning pecking order. So they sort of went with that. And you, but you've seen today why they haven't picked him in Test cricket beforehand. I mean, there's been a lot of people saying, "Oh, you've got to play, got to play." You see social media clips of him playing in the Championship, and you know there was one I think in April where you know he did bowl a sort of worn ball of the century, didn't it? It, it pitched mm. in the rough outside the right hand. His leg stump spun across him and hit the top of off stump. Uh, but you know, at this level, it's a it's a very different game, and you have to do lots of different things at, at this level to be successful. Yeah, I, I think you're you, we we are seeing why they haven't picked him before. If you chat to players on the county circuit, as I did yesterday and today, they will say that actually Matt Parkinson's brother Callum is actually a better bowler. He's a left arm spinner. Uh, the, the, the thing is, I mean, there's a sort of romanticism about leg spin, isn't there? And yeah, obviously that has begun with Shane Warne and, and continued with Anil Kumble and uh, Mushtaq Ahmed and, and various others, Yasir Shah and people like that. You know, they, but the thing is, they, did, they do really spin the ball with a lot of momentum. I mean, Shane Warne, you know, one of the, probably the greatest bowler has ever been, but the others were, were no mugs either. And the things they had were speed, deception and particularly they apart from Yassi Shah and, and actually to a lesser extent Kumble who was more of a seamer in a way he was a he was a very quick leg spinner who didn't spin the ball massively but what they all had was 
was a sort of momentum in their delivery. And in the case of certainly Warren and Mushtaq Ahmed, and you know before them Abdul Qadir, the, the the wrist, the the ball almost points to the ground as they let go of the ball because their wrist is from their arm is from sort of one o'clock, and uh, therefore they're able to get the wrist sort of inverted so that they can really get side spin on the ball. Whereas with Parkinson, his wrist, his the ball is more facing the batsman or the palm of the hand is almost more facing the batsman. He can't get the same revolutions on the ball because of basically because of his action. So mm. it, I, look, it, I, I'm glad that he had a go uh, because in a way you never know until he does. And perhaps tomorrow he might, you know, get a couple to, to really turn. But I think... Uh, unless he does some major changes in action, I just can't see him being a threat in Test cricket. What about England's uh, batting this morning? They had uh, three wickets left. They were 116 for seven. A lot of the damage was done yesterday evening in that uh, collapse where you felt wickets were frittered away. It wasn't as if uh, the bowlers got the batters out. It was, I know you could say, well, it's often batsman error, but you know, I suppose it is, it, it's wickets when batsmen are playing attacking shots or when wickets when batsmen are playing defensive shots. And there were a lot of attacking shots uh, mm. in, in that England innings, which mm. led to the, their downfall. And then, and this morning, it, it, there were a few shots played, and actually Parkinson and Anderson put on, you know, there's a little flurry there at the end, got England ahead. But, you know, Ben Folkes seemed like a really tame dismissal. Stuart Ball had Very a huge, w- huge waft and was bowled by Southie uh, for nine. I know a lot of the damage was done last night. And, and, and it's a good point, actually, about England's tail, isn't it? If you've got someone like Matthew Potts in an eight, who you know, doesn't even bat eight for Durham, it, it is a pretty thin... Uh, batting order and you know, Jimmy Anderson company you know, bumped up the order to for number 10 for the, you know, the first time in a long while at the age of, of 39 it's, it's a thin tail and and folks has got to produce hasn't he as wicketkeeper a batter and took a good catch today but it, it just felt like a really tame dismissal you just need to show a bit more I think on, on a morning like uh, this morning to take control of it I know you're yeah. trying to bat, I know you're trying to bat with a tail I know it's not easy because you'll you you might play in a different slightly different way because you're you're conscious of what is not left at the other end if you know what I mean but he, I don't know he, it, it, it just looked it just looked another ordinary dismissal really mm. I, I mean the thing is his game is not one uh, to farm the strike and play cavalier shots and you know go down the wicket to the seamers mm. and you know play outrageously sort of expansive game that is a Bearstow or a Butler and the, the folks is a more orthodox sort of player so I think I think I heard Michael Vaughan suggesting on radio today that maybe he should bat higher up the order and Bearstow should bat at seven. I think England do have to be creative with their batting order a bit. You know, it's all very well to say, well, you know, he bats at number one for his county, so he should bat number one for, for England, but or whatever. But I, I don't know. I think sometimes you have to be a bit more imaginative. England are going to lose early wickets. So perhaps they should put a couple of expendable people up. They, they've tried that, of course. They've tried, you know, Jason <laughs> well, Roy and Alex Hales. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's funny, but I was telling someone today about uh, Middlesex in the late late eighteen late nineteen eighties, where uh, we played at Uxbridge a few times, and the Uxbridge wicket for a couple of years was really sporty for the first ten overs. When the ball was hard and new, it shot all over the place, lifted, seamed 
kept low. It was a real nightmare. And then after that, it just flattened out, flattened out into an absolute belter. So we actually did, for a couple of seasons, when we played at Uxbridge, we reversed the batting order. And I went in at number three and got, you know, shot out almost immediately. And we were like 10 for four. And then if you look up the records of a few games, we were 10 for one, and then we were 300 for four because we'd sort of seen off that horrible pit uh, period with a couple of sacrificial lambs and then the proper players had come in and absolutely filled their boots. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm not suggesting England go quite to those radical lengths, but it does take some, some, some thinking about, you know, because you are against these classy faster bowlers with a equipped with a Duke's ball in a, when a helpful pitch, they are going to you are going to lose early wickets unless you've got someone who's just going to get stuck in and virtually not play a shot, which I suppose is why they've picked Alex Lees. Well, I, I suppose you, the, the, you know, the one counter to that is that yesterday England were 59 for no wicket. They were able to get away. They, got to, work, the four, yeah. the, they yeah. got to the 14th over and they, they hadn't lost a wicket and it, it all unravelled mm. from there. I mean, it, it's just a, it seems to me it's just a long road forward mm. for England. And that's it. You know, we we said before that this series started. You know, there's going to be a step forward, two steps back, or two steps forward, then another step back, and it's going to it's going to be it's not going to be consistent. It's, this is not the England side of the earlier part of the 21st century, which was a, a really good side statistically. It's the worst England side uh, in the 21st century. You know, g- going back to the late 80s and that period in the, in the 90s when they lost 13 games out of 17 they have only won one game in in 17 and you know there's been there have been quite a lot of changes and there will be some more changes as well what I mean what about England's uh, pace bowling attack you know it's the it's four pace bowlers Potts you know taking six wickets in his first test has an excellent had an excellent game so far 19 overs uh, two for 50 Broad and Anderson steady one wicket each Ben Stokes eight overs one maiden no wicket for 43 went to that short ploy didn't he, in the afternoon when nothing was happening he tried to bounce the, the, mm. the, the Kiwi uh, batters out with short balls three men back on the leg side uh, that didn't work they were swatting it away and, and, and playing it nicely you know it it, it it comes back to that thing about this England attack that, that there isn't that point of difference there isn't that extra pace that can a really discomfort about her. No, but, but, but it, that's true. But look, in the end, they've got to make more runs. You know, this bowling attack is a good bowling attack uh, with, with, a, with a decent spinner as well, maybe, uh, with, without any runs on the ball to play with, with a lead of 10. It, you know, it, it, they're powerless unless they can you know, run through an opposition again in helpful conditions, which yeah. they threaten to do. a good point. But yeah. were nullified. I, I think they're they're a they're a perfectly good attack if they can get four hundred on the board, but they've hardly ever do. That yeah. has to be their objective. And by, by the way, you know, looking ahead, I I still think they can win this Test match. It, it's going to be tough. They are going to have to take a lot of quick wickets. But if if the second new ball does a bit of a job and it's overcast tomorrow, I can see England could still chase two sixty two seventy on this pitch, which ironically is what they were set this time last year by New Zealand, and of course they refused to go for it. But I can sort of see a 250 target being attained, but only if they play like England haven't been playing recently. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. Actually, we're sort of talking as if the game's over in a strange way. New Zealand have 227 runs in the bank. They've got still got six wickets left. We did mention that that new ball, two players on 
on 90. On the other side of the coin is they might not be looking at 250, 270. They might be looking at 350. There might be a bit of license to, to play down the order. The likes of De Home and Jameson and Southie and Bolt, whatever, mm. they, they could tee off. If, you know, if they get through the new ball uh, tomorrow mm. morning and, and first things first, you've got two players. What a position to be in. I just wonder what a, I know it's something you've never been, a uh, situation you've never been in in your career. Yours to be in, in the 90s overnight and sort of <laughs> sleeping on it. You know, Mitchell comes I've been, back I've been, three more. Well, I've been hit for 90 overnight. Yeah, yeah. Bring, up, bring up my 100 on the next yeah. day. Mm. Yeah, uh, Mitchell 97-3 away, uh, Blundell uh, 10 away. Uh, yeah, much much better than being on Norton 7 or whatever overnight. You know, it's, a great, it's a great opportunity for those uh, two players and they've, they've forged an excellent partnership. But I mean, it could, it could be a lot more. But I mean, I think the, one of the factors tomorrow is we feel as though the conditions could change again. Uh, benign mm. batting conditions today, but tomorrow might be, you know, humid, whatever, or a strong breeze across the ground, completely different sort of cricket day. Uh, tomorrow for, for for England when they do eventually get to bat and how many is it going to be? But I mean the pitch, mm. you know, the pitch is not that bad. I mean that, no. that's the point. And you know, we we've we've seen big uh, scores in the fourth innings at Laws. Not so much recently actually. There was a a, a a part of the early part of the 21st century where there's some really flat Lords pitches and you know Australia scored 400 here in 2009 in in the fourth innings when they were set over 500 to win. You know there have been examples. I remember. Uh, Agarka got 100 in the fourth innings for India here in, in a test match. But uh, against this good New Zealand attack, you know, the, England's batting lineup just a bit, just frail, I think, just collectively frail. Uh, it's only going to mm. need, you know, it's going to need another 100 runs. And you think oh, that is a pretty stiff target. Although, yeah. you know, th- although there's bags of time left, there's no time pressure. And also in, in terms of pitch, there's no great pitch deterioration because it would only be on the third day. So, you know, you're not talking about a fifth day pitch, but. Uh, it, 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 anyway, it feels as though it's stacked against England. But you're right. I mean, there's, it, there's the possibilities to, to win the game from here. Um, but can, you know, can this England side do it uh, from this situation? You'd, you'd say odds against at the moment. But I mean, it's been it's been a sort of up and down roller coaster, sort of unpredictable uh, Test match so far. Uh, mm. But New, well, New yes. Yeah, I mean, Winviz originally had England 65% likely to win, and now it's completely the other way. It's more. Mm. New Zealand probably 80% now, even maybe 90% really. As long as they don't collapse, uh, they get a lead of 300, say 250 to 300, they should be safe. But there's just a kind, tiny little sliver of hope for England. But I think the likelihood is that the New Zealanders will, will shut that out fairly promptly in the morning. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, if, if, if the conditions are good for bowling tomorrow uh, for England, then they're likely to be quite good conditions for bowling for New Zealand as well I mean you know that's the way of it isn't it it might just just revert to being a bowling day uh, tomorrow the, the weather is that sort of unpredictable uh, factor I mean there is there is going to be some uh, rain around but the, I think the forecast suggests actually we are going to get more play than seem likely say on Thursday it looked like sort of quite a horrible weekend but it, it looks as though the rain might miss the, the hours of play uh, in the test match uh, so, yeah, it, 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 at one stage you were thinking possibly a two-day game. Now you're saying, well, in, in four days, but, uh, but a tough road ahead for England. Well, I'm hoping, having put all the bunting up in my street, that uh, rain does stay away and we have our street party and we'll have a screen on in a little awning watching the test match at the same time. I'm sure lots of other people uh, will be as well. Maybe uh, you could send us your plans on Twitter, either at Simon, uh, at, uh, either at cricket underscore man or at the analyst, you can tell us 
where you're going to be watching the test match from given it's sort of street party day tomorrow look forward to hearing from you and look forward to reporting on a, a day when hopefully England can try and redress the balance tomorrow for the meantime thanks for listening Podcast Network.